The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. nation's capital it's deadline dc with brad bannon welcome to deadline dc with brad bannon i'm brad bannon i'm a democratic strategist a political analyst for wgn tv and radio in chicago and a columnist for the hill in washington dc my company bannon communications research polls for and designs research-based media and message strategies for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling and communications company, go to Facebook.com front slash Bannon dash communications dash research. My Twitter handle is Brad Bannon. This is a big week in politics, so we have lots to discuss. Our guest today in the first half hour is comedian and writer Tara Devlin. Democratic strategist Anisha Singh joins our own Mark Grimaldi for the provocative progressive political panel in the second half hour. If you want to be part of the show and talk directly to me and our guest, call us at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. These are the questions that we'll uh, discuss today on the show. Inquiry minds want to know, who do you think will win the Democratic presidential caucuses tonight in Iowa? If Bernie Sanders wins tonight in Iowa and next week in New Hampshire, where he leads the polls, Will anybody be able to stop him from winning the Democratic presidential nomination? And third, will the Senate acquittal this week of Donald Trump be his vindication for re-election, or will the sham trial come back to bite him on the butt in November? Our guest in this half hour is Tara Devlin. Tara is a New York City-based comedian writer, writer and founder of RepublicanDirtyTricks.com, also known as RTD Daily. Tara's unapologetically liberal weekly podcast, Tara Buster, maybe I should be Brad Buster, is recorded live every Saturday evening at 6 o'clock Eastern on the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube uh, uh, channels and replayed starting Sunday at 6 o'clock Eastern on Progressive Voices or anytime on Progressive Voices app. You can become a patron of Tara Busta and RDT Daily at Patreon dot com front slash Tara Devlin. That Patreon is is P A T R E O N dot com front slash Tara Devlin. 
Tara is with us to discuss the importance of comedy and satire in conveying how awful the actions of the Trump administration are to the American people. Tara, welcome to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Thanks for coming on. All right. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, first, uh, we're going to uh, talk one of the things we're going to talk as a big week in American politics, uh, some for the good, some for the bad. Uh, let's start off with this. Uh, do you have any thoughts about what's going to happen in the Iowa caucuses tonight? Well, I have I do, I, I have my own hopes for what will happen. And I do, I certainly think and hope that Bernie will win. I'm a, I guess I'm one of those Bernie bros. I, I don't know what a Bernie bro is, frankly. I've never really met a Bernie bro, uh, but I guess I would be classified as one. Um, does that mean, uh, what is a Bernie bro? Does anybody know? Do you know what a Bernie bro is, frankly? Uh, well, uh, a Bernie <laughs> bro, uh, which is probably uh, mis- not aptly named since uh, he has uh, many female supporters, uh, is a supporter of uh, Bernie Sanders. And there are a lot of them. If you uh, right. if you uh, spend five minutes on Facebook you're gonna, or Twitter, you're going to uh, run into dozens of uh, Bernie bros. Exactly. Right. I've never met a Bernie bro. That's why I've been, I've been involved with Bernie for, well, not not sexually, but you know. Uh, oh, that's good to know. I I think uh, his news. wife will be glad to hear that. <laughs> when you say I've been involved, you know, I am a big fan, but you know, I do have my boundaries. But yeah, I've never met a Bernie bro. I hear about a Bur- I hear all about Bernie bros every time I turn on the corporate media, but I haven't met one. Anyway, I do hope that Bernie wins in the Iowa caucuses, and I hope it starts the the first domino to fall, frankly, and we finally take back the Democratic Party for the people. That's my hope. Uh, well, we'll uh, find out tonight, and uh, then we've got New Hampshire uh, next Tuesday on February 8th, uh, where Bernie is leading the polls. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll find out soon enough. Uh, right. let's, talk, let's talk about uh, comedy. Uh, what special place does comedy have uh, that you can't get through other mediums in news about politics? Well, I think that comedy makes the ugly truths about what's going on in the country and what's and how people are affected by that. It makes them, it makes those ugly truths palatable. And it also, I, I also believe, frankly, I know, I don't know, maybe this is controversial. Um, and there is a, there's a, there's a place for public shaming in our political discourse. And in, in now, now, now in our, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really think that that any of these fascists in the criminal Trump crime family should go be, be able to go anywhere without being publicly shamed. Is that comedy? Um, no, but I think, you know, not, not on the ground, but I do think that if, they, if we could make them into the other mockeries that they are, it will help in, not, in delegitimizing them. Um, I think that this is a rogue regime. They, they're they are. Uh, I mean, obviously, Trump is a is a con man. I live in New York my entire life. We know he's a con man. It's shocking 
that he's squatting in the White House now, despite receiving fewer votes. And that's the other thing that we need to continuously harp on. You, I always think about, you know, the, the, the Republicans. If, do you think that if we had a Democratic president who was, who was in the White House despite receiving fewer votes, that they would ever let up on that? They, every time a Democrat gets in front of a camera, they should be reminding the American people that this is a person who received fewer votes. This is a person that does not have the majority uh, on his side. And the same goes, I believe, for uh, the Supreme Court justices, that they stole. They should, we should constantly remind the American people that uh, the Neil Gorsuch, uh, that it's illegitimate. These are illegitimate stolen seats. Because you know that the Republicans would be doing the same, and they don't have a leg to stand on. That's the other thing. They, well, I guess, you're right. They did when Barack Obama was president, right? Well, let me let me ask you this. This is the thing I have a hard t- time with. You know, sometimes I see something or hear someone make a joke about Trump, and uh-huh. I think to myself, God, that's so true, <gasps> but it it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem you know it really depresses right. me because he doesn't says all these stupid things right. and people make jokes about it and to some people it doesn't seem to make a difference and i find that right. very disturbing right well they i mean we definitely are a divided country but i i believe it's not because it's really um not what the corporate media says we're divided we're it's not just ideologically, because we have silos of communication, that we're divided into certain camps. And that, frankly, goes down to the deregulation of the media. And and, uh, with uh, Bill Clinton's Telecommunications Act of 1996, where they allowed concentrated ownership of media. And so the part of what the, the, the Trump administration is doing, which is Obviously, they're a they're an authoritarian fascist regime. They you don't have to. They're not reinventing the wheel. They're using the same tactics as every other authoritarian takeover. And one of the the tactics is to delegitimize truth, devalue the currency of truth. And the 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 fact is, we have truth on our side. Liberals, normal people. Progressives, you know, I, I, that's how I consider it. Progressives, it's, 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 you don't even have to be Democratic. It's really between normal people and Republicans, you know. It's, they, they are certainly, they have to delegitimize truth because we always had that joke, truth has such a liberal bias. And, but the way that we will progress is that we have to progress anyway. We have to fight like we have the the truth the, and goodness, rightness, the American way, all of those things, you know, mom and apple pie on our side, because we do. And we need to fight like that. We need to own it. We need to yes, own patriotism. The, this is one of the yes, things I say on my do. show all the time. We're the real patriots. So they, we're the ones who believe in democracy, who are capable of functioning in a in a free democratic society, a diverse nation of 320 million diverse people. We have to fight like that. 
we have to reclaim our our mantle yes. of patriotism. Yes, we do, and, and but we're, yeah. we're going to have to do it after this break. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're going to break now. When we get back uh, with Deadline DC with Brad Bannon, our guest will continue to be Tara Devlin, comedian, writer, and founder of RepublicanDirtyTricks.com. We'll be back after these messages. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Okay, here we go. Our guest in this half hour is Tara Devlin, a New York City-based comedian, writer, and also the host of the podcast Tara Buster, which is recorded live every Saturday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern on RTD Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. If you want to, uh, you can follow Tara on Twitter at Real Tara Devlin. Uh, let's uh, start with, uh, l- let's talk about the late night uh, uh, comedy shows. Uh, mm-hmm. Tara, uh, do you th- what kind of job do you think the Colberts, uh, Kimmel, and Fallon of the world have done in covering Trump and the Republican Party? Well, they've done. I I love Colbert, so I think they do a great job. Frankly, and not, I mean all of them. I can't really speak to Jimmy Fallon. I'm not. I don't really watch him, but I think that Jimmy Kimmel uh, is. I think it's really great for people who don't really follow politics. Because they might necessarily be tuning into a Jimmy Kimmel who seems pretty um, accessible to, you know, not necessarily a niche comic. And the way that he presents Trump as the buffoon waste of human DNA that he is. And I think a lot of people get their news through these late night talk shows as well. So it's, it's also the trying to be part of a crowd thing that, that we all have as human beings. We all want to fit in. We all want to belong. You don't want to be the one who's not in on the joke. So if we're making this buffoon, well, we don't, he, we don't really have to make him a buffoon. He is a buffoon. He's a, he's a uh, it's, I mean, I call him the waste of human DNA. It's completely, he's a waste of human DNA. So they, but that's, I, I think that Jimmy Kimmel and, and Colbert, they serve that uh, a very important purpose that way by kind of uh, telling people who may not be watching politics like we do that this what's going on. Look at this moron. It's uh, and you don't even have to try. It's it's just pathetic, really. It's all it's not even funny though. Sometimes that's what I mean. That's why I respect them because I feel like. I'm, a lot of times, I'm in the rage of what's going on. You know what I mean? Even though I'm a comedian, I, oh God, I, yes, I, I do. feel enraged by it. But people say that's funny, too. But I'm, uh, I, I just appreciate the way that they, they can frame it. And, uh, yeah, without losing, without losing any of the rage, really. So we should all be enraged, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it seems to me, and I'd like you to comment on this, that uh, Trump has blurred the line between comedy and reality. Mm-hmm. I often yep. I often read stuff on social media 
uh, about something Trump tweeted or said, and I automatically think, oh, that must be from a you know a right. fake account or must be a satire. But he really said that. So it just seems to me there's little difference between reality, I mean, reality and comedy anymore. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's true. And that's how, that's part of how the, uh, well, especially him, well, the, the way that they take over, a, you know, an, an autocrat will take over a democratic society. They just bombard you with with insanity. And you don't know what's true and what's false. It's definitely the big lie tactic constantly, but it's a fire hose of big lies nonstop. Like all this week when they, when we're talking about impeachment and which is, yeah, he needs to be impeached. It's beyond, he's a criminal. That's, we understand that. But all these other assaults on the American people that are going on from the environment to them, just with uh, Medicaid block granting Medicaid, this is happening. And that affects people's lives. And I watched I watched the MSNBC coverage of uh, the impeachment. Not a, not a mention of uh, of the what happened with Medicaid. And you know they all it's just one poll after another. Everybody's with the polls. Who's up and who's down in the polls? Who said what? Somebody said something mean to another candidate. What do you think of that? Or it's just it's, it's that's just. Not that important, you know, when it's, they're coming for your, your health, your environment. Yeah, so anyway. Well, let, let me ask you this. This is a tough question, but uh, do you think Americans will see through all this and, uh, and um, uh, do what the Senate's not going to do this week and get rid of Donald Trump? Oh, I, yeah, I, I think it's a fine line. We better not feel like we can rest on our laurels. He is. That's what I, I'm really afraid that the that he will get reelected only because they even on the on what the supposed liberal media on MSNBC constantly harping on what a great economy it is. How does how do you uh, how, this is why people are going to vote for him in a great. Okay, it's such a great economy. Well, Tyler, I don't understand. I certainly how uh, hope you're right. I hope American Americans see the truth. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks very much for joining us today. All right. Went by so fast uh, for me. <laughs> that was Tara Devlin, uh, who is a New York City based comedian, writer and founder of Republican Dirty Tricks dot com. We'll be right back with more of Deadline D.C., Uh, with our provocative progressive political panel right after these messages. Your Honor, I'm a very sick old man. How could I withhold aid from the Ukraine? I can barely get around the house. President Trump, are you trying to Weinstein me right now? (laughs) In which sense? Because Harvey and I overlap in a few areas. (laughs) Mr. President... What is your defense? My defense is very simple, Your Honor. I'm guilty. Do the Democrats have a response, Adam Schiff? There he goes, shifty shift, two shifts to the wind. She shifts, she shifts by the shifty gee. I'm sorry. I'd say one of my famous mini strokes. What I've learned from this trial is that clearly nothing I do or say has any consequence, so I'd like to complain about everything. <laughs> The call with the Ukraine wasn't perfect, it was illegal, and frankly, it was about time. 
Also, I watch CNN all the time, and it's awesome. I hate the following states, Iowa, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arkansas, and West Virginia. West Carolina, I'm sorry. I cheat all the time at golf, taxes, wives, elections, and bathroom scales. I'm not 239 pounds. I'm 475 pounds. I don't really need this walker either, although it does help me be lazier, which I like. What else? Oh, I cut the funding to the CDC, so this Wang Chung virus is really going to be bad. But this trial has been incredible because I now have a best friend. Mitch McConnell, get in here, Mitch. He's a ride or die bitch. And we're going to be linked forever, right, Mitch? Eliza, New York, it's Saturday night! Ah, that was a great cold opening from Saturday Night Live. Welcome back with De- to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. This week is the most important week so far in the two-year cycle that leads into Election Day on November 3rd. Today, Iowa Democrats will caucus and will have real votes to dissect instead of hypothetical votes to ponder. Tuesday, Donald Trump gives the annual State of the Union address, which gives him the opportunity to gloat over his acquittal Wednesday in the sham Senate impeachment trial. Friday, the Democratic candidates will respond to the president in a nationally televised debate from New Hampshire, which precedes the nation's first in the, uh, the nation's first in the nation primary next Tuesday on February 8th. Last week, Senate Republicans undermined their own decision to acquit the president when they voted to block witnesses, especially the president's nas- former national security advisor, John Bolton, from testifying in the trial. 51 of the 53 Senate Republicans voted to block witnesses, The two exceptions were Utah's Mitt Romney and Maine's uh, Susan Collins. Romney flashed some backbone in bucking the cover-up led by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, which is a lot more than you can say about Collins. She decided to support witness testimony only after it was clear that McConnell didn't need her vote to squash the evidence. The dramatic news of John Bolton's tell-all book about Donald Trump's Ukraine quid pro quo only whetted Americans' appetite to hear testimony in the Senate trial, especially the testimony of Bolton, who was in the room. Last week, the New York Times story on Bolton's forthcoming book almost blew up the quit acquittal of the president. The Times story reported that Donald Trump asked his then-National Security Advisor to join the campaign to pressure the Ukrainian president to investigate Hunter Biden, the son of the Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden. Bolton is a fierce opponent of Russian expansion and and the effort to deny weapons to an American ally that was threatened by Vladimir Putin rubbed the National Security Advisor the wrong way. Bolton's hostility to the president's Russian BFF led to the Bolton departure, but the former National Security Advisor will have the last laugh when his book is published in March. In response to the reports about Bolton's bombshell book, Trump's defenders quickly retreated from the denial that there was a corrupt bargain 
to the position that the president's actions were were not high crimes and misdemeanors, even if there was a quid pro quo. The Republicans seem to be very flexible on that. McConnell's successful effort to exclude testimony from the president's trial is nothing more than a pyrrhic victory for the president. Not hearing senators depose Bolton will be as disappointing to Americans as going to the opera without hearing the fat lady sing. But Americans will hear the the caged bird sing eventually. Uh, But because McConnell was able to silence Bolton, the president's acquittal will bring ring faults to many Americans. The hasty acquittal infuriated the progressive base, which will lead to higher Democratic turnout in primaries in the spring and the election in November. The first signs of the resurgence of the Democratic base will surface tonight in Iowa and next Tuesday in New Hampshire. Now you can read my take on the presidential race in the Hill every Monday at muckrack.com, that's M-U-C-K-R-A-C-K, muckrack.com, front slash Bannon, Brad, dash Bannon. Now it's time for our provocative political, uh, progressive provocative political panel. Our guest on the panel today is Alicia Singh. Uh, Anisha is an attorney-turned-organizer and Democratic strategist who brings with her more than a decade of experience in public interest and social justice work. Also on the panel is our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi, who is also a progressive political activist. If you want to be part of the panel and talk directly to me and our guest, call us at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888 888- Six five three seven five four three. Okay, let's start with this panel. Uh, Anisha, what do you think uh, is going to happen in Iowa tonight? Uh, in the last few days, I've seen all sorts of polls. Uh, one of them has uh, Bernie Sanders leading by four points. Uh, another one has him leading by seven points. And still another one shows as basically a four-way tie between Sanders, uh, Biden, uh, former Mayor Pete, and Elizabeth Warren. So who knows? Anisha, what do you think is going to happen tonight? Thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? You you really have no idea. We don't have a clear understanding of who's going to come on top uh, tonight. Um, What we do know is that tonight will tell us a lot uh, going forward, right? Once we start getting those numbers and once we're able to dissect the demographics and where turnout was high, where it was low, um, and and kind of look at the general consensus amongst uh, Iowans, we'll have an idea of what we can maybe start expecting and how presidential campaigns campaigns are going to start tweaking their messaging and tweaking their um, their campaign strategy as well going into New Hampshire and beyond um, throughout the rest of this um, election cycle. I think what is really important, though, is to, is to see what resonates really well with folks as well when uh, we see those exit polls and when we start hearing from voters 
Um, you know, what is it that got them off that couch? What got them to show up? And why did they choose the candidates that they chose? Um, that'll give us an idea of what messages are really resonating with um, everyday voters, uh, whether it is an anti-Trump kind of messaging, whether it is uh, a proactive uh, agenda that really shows bold reform, or if it um, is something stemming out of this, in, this, this rigged impeachment process. Okay, Mark, you want to take a shot? What do you think is going to happen in Iowa tonight? Well, first I want to say I think Anisha laid it out really well of what to look for, especially for those who kind of like to, you know, read the tea leaves, if you will. I think that's those are other important factors besides just the the raw percentage of the vote uh, and, you know, what place each candidate came in. Uh, I think that if you look at the momentum – it definitely is in Bernie Sanders' corner right now. And also there's a couple factors, if you remember, I think we spoke about this one or two shows ago, Brad, but the caucus goers, it's a different group because usually those who are the most um, aggressively for their candidate tend to do well because you're convincing other people, uh, which I think, Brad, you know, you are the perfect person to do this. If you if you want to give the 60-second uh, the TED Talk about the difference for our audience between caucuses and primaries, I don't think it's a bad time to do it, but I'll leave that up to you. What I will say is because of the style of how that vote goes, I think it lays out well for someone like Sanders who has such a, a high set of fundraising numbers from individual candidates. It shows how excited uh, his base is, and I think that plays well in caucuses. And, you know, you combine that with the fact that he is leading in the Iowa polls. Um, I would actually be surprised at this point if he does not win uh, in Iowa, and if you remember, uh, you know, you know four what, Mark, years ago, I think he will be too. Yeah, and I, I think four years ago, if you look, I mean, it was it was a closer race than people thought. Um, he did well there last time, and I think he's only gotten you know more um, notoriety and just more people know about his campaign and his message. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he does win, though, what type of numbers, how close is it. And, uh, you know, once we get into more diverse states, um, you know, can he carry that into a place like South Carolina? It'll be very interesting to see. Well, I think it is worth mentioning the difference between uh, the caucuses in Iowa tonight and primaries like you'll have in New Hampshire uh, next week uh, in a primary. Uh, it's just like a regular election uh, where uh, people uh, can you know, walk into the poll at their local fire station or town hall uh, and vote and be in in, uh, you know, five or ten minutes, be in and out in five and ten minutes. In the caucuses like Iowa tonight, uh, you go out, uh, you go to uh, a central meeting place. It could be uh, the local library or somebody's living room or whatever, and you have to and you have to sit there uh, for two or three hours uh, as there's a lot of discussion about issues and the candidates, uh, and then a couple of votes. Uh, so uh, it's uh, really a you have to make a major commitment because you're talk especially tonight in Iowa where you're talking and going out in the freezing cold uh, and spending uh, two or three hours uh, somewhere talking about issues of the candidate so it's a major uh, commitment uh, and uh, it does 
you're right, Mark. It does favor candidates who have uh, very strong supporters uh, who are willing to make that kind of major commitment that you don't have to make what, like you do in New Hampshire next week when you just walk in and vote and you're out in five or ten minutes. We're going to go to break now, but when we get back from break, uh, we'll have more of our pro- provocative progressive political panel uh, with Democratic strategist Anisha Singh and our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. And in this half hour, as as of our custom, we'll have our provocative progressive political panel. Today on the panel, uh, we have Democratic strategist Anisha Singh and our own executive producer and progressive political activist, Mark Grimaldi. Uh, Let's uh, try this. Uh, Let's say today, tonight, uh, Bernie Sanders does win Uh, the Iowa caucuses. Uh, If you look at the polls next week in New Hampshire, which may be changed uh, based on what happens in uh, Iowa tonight, uh, Senator Sanders starts out with a significant lead. So if he, uh, my question is, uh, if he wins uh, in Iowa tonight, and he wins in New Hampshire uh, next Tuesday. Uh, is he going? Is that going to start a momentum that will carry him all the way through Milwaukee in July to be the Democratic presidential nominee? One thing to keep in mind: uh, Joe Biden does very well among two types of Democratic voters, neither of whom. Uh, is uh, prevalent uh, in Iowa or New Hampshire. Uh, Biden does very well with moderate Democrats, and there are very few of them in uh, Iowa and New Hampshire. And he does very well with uh, African-American voters, and there are also very few of them uh, in Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, But they will start to uh, make their presence felt, um, especially uh, when we get to the South Carolina uh, primary later this month. So, Anisha, uh, do you think this will start a grounds if he win, if he wins uh, Iowa tonight, New Hampshire next Tuesday? Will this uh, start a groundswell that will make it difficult uh, for Democrats if they want to stop uh, Bernie Sanders from being the nominee? Oh, well, I think there's a few points here. One is that. Uh I think they, there's general consensus, and there needs to be general consensus because there's so much on the line, that no matter who gains momentum, no matter who the candidate ends up becoming, um, or that it becomes clear is, it's going to be, um, we all need to unite behind whoever that individual is. There's way too much at stake, and any of these candidates are better than Trump. Um, and the kind of visceral attacks and uh, hateful policies that have come out of this administration. So I think, generally speaking, um, there needs to be that understanding that no matter who it is, whoever gets that momentum, we have to support whoever that is. I think that has been uh, a lesson learned from 2016 and is something that we need to make sure that we're intentional about here in 2020. In terms of whether or not Iowa and New Hampshire will be uh, enough of a momentum for uh, any candidate, whether it's Sanders or otherwise, to then be able to take 
uh, take but take it and run. Um, it's hard to tell. Uh, I, you know, one thing that has come up a lot in the last few weeks is the fact that Iowa and New Hampshire are very white states, and you're seeing one major demographic, and we're going to learn a lot about them, but there are plenty of states that will come up um, that are much more diverse, that are going to uh, show us, uh, you know, who, which candidate is is more favorable for the African-American community, the AAPI community, et cetera, that might um, might change that, uh, that uh, momentum a little bit. Um, but it's hard to tell. I think we, we still have a lot to see. We have to see if even Sanders is going to be the the top nominee this time around, um, or if there's someone else, um, and how that shifts as they continue to make their way across the country. But again, I think no matter who it is, it's really important to not discredit anyone and to make sure that we are not doing enough damage that we're uh, unable to unify at the end of this. Well, that uh, let me follow that question up, Anisha. Uh, in the last week, there's been a lot of... Uh, 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 beating up uh, of each side by the other side. In the last couple of weeks, Hillary Clinton has come out a couple of times uh, to criticize Bernie Sanders. Maybe she's forgotten she's not running for president this year. I don't know. Uh, on the other hand, there have been uh, some Sanders supporters uh, who have been uh, beating the bejesus out of uh, Joe Biden. So my question is, do you think Democrats will come together when this process is all finished, uh, when we actually select a nominee in Milwaukee in July or not? I'm, I'm hopeful. I think that once once we have a nominee, once the the long list of individuals who are running for president on the Democratic side start dwindle, starts dwindling down a bit more, um, I'm hoping that people will start galvanizing behind one candidate. And once the candidate is chosen for us, when it, when it comes out of the, down to the convention, that everyone can realize that no matter who it is, it's definitely better than Trump. And it's our job, those of us who are listening to radio, those of us who are hosting radio, TV, the media, generally speaking, to remember all of the visceral things that this administration has done and comparing that um, to the progress we could make if we have a Democratic candidate. I think it's going to be really important to do that. I think one of the mistakes last time around was that um, there wasn't as much of that being done um, when the when when after the convention um, than there could have been, and there wasn't as much campaigning happening. It's going to be really interesting to see because there has been such a large group of individuals running. There's so much campaign staff as well that'll be able to come and help and volunteer for whoever that 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 final candidate is making us um, more able to, to go and knock on doors in states that just did not happen in 2016, which I think is critical to driving that narrative and making sure that people are engaged and remembering what's at stake here. Uh, Mark, uh, the uh, I've seen all sorts of estimates um, about the percentage of Sanders supporters uh, who failed who did not vote for Hillary Clinton in November of 2016. Um, I've seen estimates anywhere from 10 to 20 percent. Um, it's probably at least, it was at least probably 10 percent, which might have made the difference in some states uh, like 
Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and a couple of others. Uh, Let me ask you the same question I asked Anisha. Did uh, do you think Democrats uh, will be more united this time uh, behind the winning nominee uh, than uh, Sanders supporters were um, towards uh, Hillary Clinton in November 2016? I do, and I think it's up to each one of us to look in the mirror and not wait for the next person to make that happen. Okay, that's it, folks, for Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Thanks to my guest, uh, Tara Devlin of Terror Buster, Democratic strategist Anisha Singh, and our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. I'm here every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time if the Lord is willing and the creek don't rise. Unless Donald Trump declares martial law, that is, which is a real possibility, I think, these days.